We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up, Midas Mighty? And welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast. Ben, Brett, and Jordy with a great podcast episode for you today. Incredible guest we have E. Gene Carroll will be joining the podcast. I've been wanting to speak to E. Gene Carroll for so long, and it's going to be so incredible to have her on the pod today. I know the Midas Mighty wanted her on the podcast. Can't wait to have her. How you doing, Brett? How you doing, Jordy? Doing incredible over here. Every time you announce the guest, I am just waiting for Jordy to go, let's go. I know. I, 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 stopped I, I literally that. hear it in my head every time Ben says it, regardless of whether you say it or what not. What I started to now is I type it in the chat on, on YouTube instead. You go, let's go, LFG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I, I like it. But I want to tell you, I'm excited that we have E. Jean Carroll, but I want to speak directly to the Midas Mighty right now, because I'm I'm a little fired up right now and I'm fired up because I know we could win in 2022. Okay, I know that we have the power collectively. We have the numbers. There are more people in this country that support democracy than our QAnon wackos who are protesting in front of hospitals and preventing people from going to the emergency rooms. But I'm fired up because we need to stick together and we need to be loud as well in supporting these values of pro-democracy. You know, I've been seeing some of these polls saying that, you know, from the prognosticators who are saying, well, I think that in 2022, the Democrats are going to lose the House. And they're reporting this like it's a boxing match, you know, like it's a horse race. And what they're not reflecting is that there is a fascist movement out there that wants to take over our government, to take away the right to choose and to literally kill our children. And I want to talk about even California for a second, because you look in California, the media was trying to do the same exact thing they did with Trump, first with Caitlyn Jenner, then with Larry Elder. They wanted it right. They wanted to build up these crazy wackos and put them on par with the governor who may have some flaws, who may have some faults and Gavin Newsom. But at the end of the day, who supports democracy and elevating each psycho wacko to be like this horse race and it's and it's pissing me off and fortunately people have come together don't take this california recall for granted at all the polling is showing that pro-democracy people are coming together but don't take it for granted at all and we already hear larry elder donald trump uh, the whole crew 
all whining already. Voter fraud in California. There's voter fraud there. They're cheating. They're stealing the election. Fuck you. I'm done with that bullshit over and over again of these whiny motherfuckers who come in here and just whine. They're just fucking whiners and they're losers. And they're out here in California whining about voter fraud. It is ridiculous that we that we have this whining crowd that exists. Democrats stand together. They really are the whiniest bunch of crybabies I have ever seen. And this is going to be the playbook. This is going to be the playbook that they run through every election that they're going to lose or that they think they lose or that they lost. They're going to use the voter fraud playbook that Trump used. Now, the thing that brings me comfort about it is Trump lost by following this playbook. While they think that this is red meat to their base for donations, what it actually does is it encourages their own followers not to vote. I'm not saying get complacent. I don't want anybody ever to accuse me of saying not to get complacent. Everybody needs to be fired up and go to the polls. And if you have not turned in your ballot yet in California, do it today. Do it right now. But all this does is it encourages their followers that it's a rigged election. So why even bother voting anyway? Do we have the clip? Yeah, let's let, let's play. This is from this is a compilation of Trump, Larry Elder and Fox News all already saying that California is going to be rigged. Well, it's probably rigged. They're sending out all ballots. It's all uh, the, the the ballots are, you know, mail out, mail in ballots. In yeah. fact, I guess you even have a case where you can make your own ballot. When that happens, uh, nobody's going to win except uh, these Democrats. So. You know, look, they're, they're very good. The one thing they're good at is rigging elections. So I predict it's a rigged election. Let's see how it turns out. Courts don't like to overturn an election. So when you hear of anything suspicious, we've heard a lot of things that have been suspicious so far. Go to electelder.com. We're going to sick our lawyers on them, file lawsuits right away. They're going to cheat. We know that. The only thing that will save Gavin Newsom is voter fraud. So as they say, stay woke. Pay attention to the voter fraud going on in California because it's going to have big consequences not only for that state, but for upcoming elections. Every bad idea originates in California, and that just happens to be where Kamala's from. No coincidence there. Stay woke. Tammy is such a clown. Oh, they're all such fucking all clowns. Such clowns. At least growing up when, when the brothers, when we would play video games and you guys would beat me in a video game, at least we played the game before I started whining and complaining that you all beat me. You know what yeah, I mean? Like they get blamed like, after the fact. Yeah. Now they're like minority reporting elections. It's like a broken record. I am personally sick of these sorts of attacks on the democratic process because that's what it is. They are attacks on the democratic process itself. And they're going to act like California, which is one of the most securely blue states in the nation with a super majority of Democrats with very liberal policies, with one of the best economies in the country, if not the number one economy, I think it actually is the number one economy in the country, a top five economy in the entire world, a state that has an economic surplus, yes, a surplus, and they want to attack this state and try to reverse all the progress that we have made, all the progress we have made on the economy, on COVID, on everything. They want all that to go away. Their solutions to every problem are, oh, uh, uh, COVID, uh, let's, uh, no masks, no vaccines, let's take it all away. Let's take it all away. Oh, uh, homelessness. Oh, yeah, that's a problem that Gavin Newsom hasn't uh, done a great job with. So what should we do? Build low income housing? No, let's give more tax cuts to billionaires and millionaires. That'll solve it. That'll do it. All of their solutions exacerbate these problems. Any issue we have, they are trying to make it worse. We need to treat this California election like, like it's existential for the country because it is existential for the country. And we need to be fired up about this. And I think one of the most disgraceful things about what 
these Trumpers, what these Fox Newsers are doing is they are now exporting this loser mindset. They are exporting this idea of fascism to other countries. So while America used to be viewed by many as a beacon of democracy and hope, a place where you'd want to go, a place where your vote matters. Now America is being looked at for inspiration for January 6th type events around the world. And the latest that we've seen is this attempted coup that is being currently discussed and planned in Brazil. And of course, who do we see at the center of this January 6th style insurrection attempt? We see the same people who orchestrated January 6th right here in the United States. You have people like Steve Bannon. You have people like Donald Trump Jr. You have people like Jason Miller. Actually going to Brazil, trying to go to Brazil, hanging out with Bolsonaro, the leader of Brazil, the president of Brazil and his kids, trying to plot ways to keep Bolsonaro in power because his poll numbers are tanking and he's actually expected to lose the election in 2022. They are trying to export that fascism that we have here to Brazil and to other countries around the world. And you have President Bolsonaro already claiming voter fraud, you know, with the exact same verbiage as Trump, the exact same verbiage as Larry Elder, and they literally are having a playbook while we have this going on. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see Donald Trump's statement praising Robert E. Lee? And it was one incredible commentator. What was it, Jordy? Aaron, what, what's Aaron, his name? Aaron Rupar. Aaron Rupar. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron Rupar, he was like one insurrectionist praising another insurrectionist. Spot it was on. A great. It was totally spot on. And Bakari Sellers' comment was brilliant also. Bakari Sellers, we had on the show recently. He said, Robert E. Lee was a racist and he was a loser. Donald Trump is a racist and he was a loser. And that was the exact thing I was thinking when this happened. Like Donald Trump made this wacky statement and we won't sit here and read it all. But Okay, but there's one part that just to show how wacky it is. Yeah. He says that the removal of Robert E. Lee, a legitimate racist insurrectionist, he goes, our culture is being destroyed and our history and heritage, both good and bad, are being extinguished by the radical left. And we can't let that happen. If only we had Robert E. Lee to command our troops in Afghanistan, oh, this disaster would have ended in a complete and total victory many years ago. I mean, so a few things. One... <laughs> There's two aspects of it. The Robert E. Lee part is the most absurd, stupid statement I've ever heard. But a few years ago, Donald Trump was the president, too. <laughs> like he ignores that piece from the statement that it would have been changed very few years ago. So he wanted himself to be replaced by Robert E. Lee. I mean, that's the a good point. That's a, that's a great point. I say this sometimes, too, on the show. When you find yourselves like burning masks, when you find yourselves on the side <laughs> of defending Confederate soldiers, you're on the wrong fucking side, man. History remembered. It, I, who said, Brett? Who, this is your favorite quote. History is remembered by the winners. Yeah, it's a quote. It's a quote. Oh, just, just okay. So it's. I think a it's quote. Brett's favorite quote. It's Brett's favorite <laughs> quote. Well, we fucking won in 2020. The racists lost both in 1865 and in 2020. So Donald Trump, you go fuck himself. Yeah, he went in Afghanistan, dude. He didn't win in America. He couldn't win here. We beat him. Robert E. Lee is known as the biggest loser in American history, other than Donald Trump. So yes, it makes sense. And He's a loser then, is Trump a loser is, now. Meanwhile, Trump is hosting boxing matches between Evander Holyfield. I mean, Evander Holyfield's got to be, you know, a, 
I think significantly past uh, his boxing prime versus Belfort in a pay-per-view and you text Trump to this phone number. And there's this just weird graphic of Donald Trump menacingly looking over Hollyfield and Belfort. Like, how do you take someone like this, like to his base? How do you even take something like this remotely seriously? I mean, he's doing it on September 11th. He's hosting it on September 11th. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if Obama hosted a boxing match on September 11th and you know, the whole time he's just going to whine about the voter fraud in uh, California, I, the I voter fraud. we won that election. You know, we won that election. That's all he's going to be saying the entire time. 1000%. I could tell you the talking points that we're about to see from the right in the next few days. It's, oh, there's nothing more American than two guys battling it out in a boxing ring. I could guarantee some asshole says that it might even be Trump himself. And he won't even, co- I, he probably talks about the election being stolen from him for at least 90%. I don't even know. He he probably doesn't even know who's boxing. You're so right, though, that how distasteful it is. I didn't even fully realize that it was on September 11th, that uh, that fight. And I mean, uh, Brett, did you do that clip where we showed all of the ways like Donald Trump hates America? I know we posted it. Who did that? It's an incredible video. You want to play that video? How stupid are the people of Iowa? How stupid are the people of the country? How stupid is our country? The U.S. women's soccer team is a very good example of what's going on. Earlier this week, they unexpectedly lost to Sweden three to nothing, and Americans were happy about it. We did the video. You could do watch the longer video um, on our Twitter account, but it's literally a whole montage of Trump saying how much he hates the United States of America. (laughs) I want to be clear. Donald Trump legitimately hates America and his followers literally hate the country. Like there's no other way to say it. They hate what we stand for. Well, you know what I realize every time something like this, you know, Robert E. Lee statue incident happens. What I realize is that we are still fighting the civil war in many ways. And in many ways, it's almost like a cold civil war. And these Trump supporters are the new Confederacy, same as the old Confederacy, but they support the Confederacy over the United States. And they have this weird like dichotomy, this weird duality where at the same time they support the Confederacy. They also wave the American flag, which are two symbols that really run right up against each other. Like they support the people who went to war with the United States of America. Those are their heroes. Robert E. Lee, the guy who led the army that killed the most American soldiers out of anybody in history. That's who they support. In other news, Biden has fired at least 18 Trump appointees, including Kellyanne Conway, Sean Spicer, McMaster, and others. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you later. And just so people know, these individuals were appointed to various boards. Um, They were appointed to, for example, the Board of Visitors for the Air Force Academy, Military Academy, Naval Academy. These are basically like no show appointments where these individuals are getting paid to be affiliated with these boards and they're you know they're they're probably making significant yeah. amounts how of- much mm-hmm. how much are we paying these people to have these no show jobs how much have we been paying Kellyanne Conway Sean Spicer HR McMaster all of these people how much have we been paying them one of the most despicable things too um and I don't want you to show the whole letter because it's just a travesty but All these individuals from Spicer to Kellyanne Conway, 
they're like just whining about being kicked off these boards and being fired. Biden gave him the option to resign or that they would be fired. And in Kellyanne Conway's letter, she calls herself Honorable Kellyanne Conway as though she was like a uh, like a, a, a yeah, member. You weren't a senator. Con- you weren't a member of the judiciary. <laughs> You're a liar. Who came up with the term alternative facts? You're a fucking liar and a fraud. The honorable Kellyanne Conway. Do you have, Brett, the video of Spicer responding? Yeah. Should I do the one? uh... Go play his clip. Yeah. Play the one that you made. Yeah, play the one that we made. This country. I won't ever question how anyone chooses to do that. I won't question how you choose to do that, Jen. But don't you dare ever minimize or question my service to this nation. You got it? These bodies have been free from politics and worked in a bipartisan way until today. This administration made them political. Not one Obama appointee on these boards was removed when Trump came in. Not a single one. This move has taken partisanship to a new level. He's an angry elf. Bye-bye. That's the only way you can watch that. Bye-bye. Brett, your videos are just so, they're just, they're so good. I just want to know like how you connect the the thoughts in your mind and how they become a reality. I'll probably have you, we need Brett to be a guest on the Midas Touch podcast. I like that. Right. Let's have Brett be a guest one day. But in the meantime, we have a better guest than Brett. We have E. Jean Carroll, who will be joining the Midas Touch podcast. Can't wait to have her on. We will be right back after these messages with E.G. Carroll. Brett, Ben, and Jordy here from Midas Touch. Guys, if someone relies on your financial support, whether it's a child, aging parent, or even a business partner, you need life insurance. It's so important that you get life insurance. And you know, you're probably wondering, but how do I do it? Where do I go? Do I go to my employer? Do I? Is there a website? What company do I use? And that's why we recommend Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers, and it's all in one place. So why compare? Why not just go to like a specific insurer's website? Because you could save fifty. 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. This exclusive policy was recently rated number one by Forbes Advisor, higher than options from Ladder, Ethos, or Bestow. And here's how it works. First, it's easy to get started. You go ahead to policygenius.com and in minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and processing and scheduling all for you for free. And Policy Genius doesn't even add on any extra fees. So this is a no brainer. Get your life insurance now. For all your insurance needs, go to policygenius.com, Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right and get it right at policygenius.com. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. We are joined by E. Jean Carroll. E. Jean Carroll is a journalist, author, and was the writer of Elle Magazine's well-known column, Ask E. Jean, one of the longest-running advice columns in American publishing from 1993 to 2019. Somebody's done his research. Oh, we definitely definitely do. Somebody's done his research. Just you wait. In 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 2019, E. Jean Carroll published a book 
What do we need men for? A modest proposal in it, courageously sharing her experience of being sexually assaulted by Donald Trump in the mid-1990s at Bergdorf Goodman. She filed a lawsuit in New York after Donald Trump defamed her in 2019. That lawsuit is still proceeding. In 2019, she was terminated from Elle after sharing her experience. She's written for Vanity Fair, The Atlantic. One of the things E. Jean Carroll, in my research of you, just how prolific and profound you've been as a writer, which I think needs to be mentioned. We hear your name talked about always, but you have such an incredible writing career. And now you're writing a column on a Substack, Ask E. Jean. You find that at egenecarroll.substack.com. It's an honor to have you on the Midas Touch podcast, E. Jean Carroll. I love this person. I heard <laughs> that word you were describing. I would love to meet her. I mean, she yes. seems fantastic to me. You know, I, oh, if only you. I could be speaking with her right now. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and that, that and that person is you, E. Jean Carroll. And what advice? This is just the the question that I have. As you know, I read your biography. What advice do you give to someone though who sees your career? They see your fight for justice. And they worry, though, if I speak out, what's going to happen to me? You know, am I going to lose my job? Yes. Um, what's your advice yes. to them? See, that's the thing. When we tell women, we don't tell men to speak out. You notice we don't have to do that because men don't need it. When we tell women to speak out, we're telling, we're telling people who basically have no rights to start with, telling them to make a ruckus. Making a ruckus will get you fired, will drag you through the mud, will ruin your reputation, it will take away your right to earn money. It, 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 it has not worked out well for women. If you look at who's come forward and who's spoken out, those women are not doing very well. You know, you have to negotiate with the power. You have to hire a lawyer. You have to hire the best lawyer in America. Mary Trump and I both have the same lawyer, Robbie Kaplan. And that's how you deal with it. That's how you speak out. You need the power of the courts and the law behind you. Uh, we, we saw what happened with the Time's Up. We're still alive in Time's Up. We're still telling women to speak out. And I personally tell women to speak out because I... Uh, but I always warn them, you're going to get fired if you do. You're going to lose family members if you do. Your children may not talk to you. Your husband may leave you because they can't take the pressure. But it's better than, I guess, shutting up. What do you guys think? Should a woman speak out? What do you think? You should absolutely speak out. And But, you know, you, you do reflect on the consequences of speaking out, which are horrible. You know, there are so many people who write about you, who speak very positively about you in, in the media. But at the end of the day, it does feel like, you know, whether it's at Elle magazine or otherwise, that you have to some extent or to, to the extent been blackballed from the media from speaking the truth. So you have people who use your name, you know, in a very positive light, but you, the person, you know, aren't writing your column anymore. Do you feel that way? Well, gentlemen, I got my revenge against Elle 
I now my Substack. I'm now making more money because of the Let's subscribers. Go. And there I we made. go. The Substack is great. It's, it gives the writer the sovereignty over their own uh, material, and so I'm back. <laughs> and it's so long L. And uh, I notice a lot of writers are doing that. Uh, you know when. Uh, uh, Barry Weiss was fired from the Times. She went to Substack, started out. Now the woman is rolling in money. I mean, you know, Andrew Sullivan was fired from New York Magazine, got a Substack. He can't spend it fast enough. The thing is, they work around the clock, right? These are all hard working. They deserve every penny. Uh, it's a great way to take the revenge against the legacy magazines, which had all the power. Well, you guys know this way better than I do. I mean, look what you did. You, you started your own path. I mean, you yep. started it. You, you just started it. You just <laughs> weren't putting up with anything. You just started it. Uh, so you know what I'm talking about. The power now goes to the writers and to the, you know, to the podcasters. Wait, can I subscribe to something on your, can we? Absolutely. Uh, and that, and that's, yeah. a, that's a great plug right now for everybody watching. Hit that little subscribe button for everyone listening. Hit what that little subscribe button. Subscribe to our button. YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, but it's all free. Everything we did, it's all yeah. free. It's a democratized platform. We basically want to just get our content out to as many people as possible. And that's that's kind yeah. of our whole. Eugene with the assist there on getting new subscriptions. <laughs> Thank you. Very you know, Michael Moore, myself, everything I write is free. Everything you do is free. If you want something special, then you pay the subscription, right? But so right. you have a subscription. See, I'm fascinated by this. <laughs> absolutely. And every writer who's listening to this is, and every podcaster who's listening is also fascinating. So every, let's get it straight. Everything you do is free, but your what is special? Why do we subscribe to you? touch. Well, because there's no unabashedly pro-democracy media company out there. You know, it's interesting, Eugene. You know, we started as a pack that did media, you know, and increasingly what we're becoming is a media company that also has a pack. And there's no media companies as you and I and the brothers, we talk about legacy media. You know, in many ways, Eugene, they created the monster that is Donald Trump by not being unabashedly pro-democracy. And so our message is, is we love this country because we love democracy and we're not going to treat the debate as a debate between Democrats and Republicans when only one party supports truly our constitution is the Democrats and another party wants to kill us. And so do you share those views, though, that the media in many ways, created the monster that was Donald Trump and allowed him to get away with it for all of these years. And that now that the power is being democratized through your substacks, through others, that's the best way to challenge it. What's your view on that? Well, you guys are New York guys. You were born in New York. Donald Trump, we all forget this now. You're going to hate hearing this. People who are listening to the podcast, turn it off because I'm going to start to say some very positive things about the Donald. I know. Watch out. Starting in the 80s, Donald Trump became a figure of just enormous charm. There's a word okay, in New York City. About 1981, I think I found the actual time that he's, he came out. As, he was extremely good looking, tall knew everybody in New York, went to every party, was always spoke to the press. 
a reporter shows up, somebody, you know, the, the, the line of press when you go into a party, he would stop and speak to every single one of them. And by the way, if they didn't quote him, he'd call them the next day and give them a quote. He was very smart. So here's, he was enthralling to the whole city. And the press fucking loved him, just loved him, couldn't get enough. Then he had all that one woman after another, these beautiful women, they were charming. It went on up until they got, until he got the TV show. Then it was doomed. It was doomed because people actually thought he had all the money that he, uh, that they said on the show, which was malarkey. Um, so Donald Trump pretty much created his own Donald Trump thing. The media went along with it for the first 20 years, you know, from the, from, from 1981 to 2001. And then they start, then when he started, you know, the billion with the Forbes thing and the fight with the, how much is he a billionaire? Is he not? That, that, that kind of information didn't leak through to the normal person. New Yorkers sort of thought, no, he's a, he's, he's a con man, but he's our con man. And then when the apprentice came along, that's when the thing changed. That's when the press should have picked up on the fact that he was uh, not really what he said. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah, yeah, you know, look, it was a fascist scamming abusing wolf in sheep's clothing because while the media is propping him up and Eugene, you've spoke to other women, you know, dozens who have yeah. come forward to accuse him of sexual assault right. during this period in right. your conversations with the other woman, what'd you learn and what was kind of the commonality? Because you, you raised this dichotomy of the media, he's the media's darling, but really? at the same really? time, yeah. right? But at the same time, he's engaging in these heinous, disgusting acts with you and other women behind closed doors that are being covered up. And so what was your, what'd you learn from that experience? Well, they were being covered up because women were not speaking out. Women didn't, I didn't say a word about it. You know, I did not say a word about it. I was born in the silent generation. I was born before World War II. I would never have said anything against a powerful man. It just was not in my nature. Uh, luckily, the new generation coming up has taught elderly crones like me, you don't stay silent. With woman after woman that I talked to, they stay quiet until until he ran for president and and anderson cooper said there's been been some accusations against you are they true and he said never i've never done remember he did said he denied it three times on anderson cooper and that's what blew the lid off too many women saw it and they started coming forward the new york times started to run jessica leeds came out remember the woman from the airplane in 1979 uh -huh. jessica leeds and uh, they then the, then it started to topple, and the women came forward in 2016. Um, I did not. My mother was on her deathbed, and I was in Indiana by her side. I was watching the women come forward, but I knew that every woman who came forward in 2016 helped him get elected. The male voters and even the female voters love to hear about a man who's so attractive and so powerful, he can have any woman he wants. That is a storyline that people, you know, 
It makes us sick. But many people like to hear about a strong man. I'll take that woman. I'll take that woman. And uh, can do with them as he pleases. Um, it's, just, it's, it's a symbol of the all-powerful man. And he was butted into office probably because of some of the stories of women, what he did to women. I know it's sickening. And you know who told me to watch out for this? George McGovern. Um, right when um, Clinton had gotten the nomination to run for president, I had lunch with McGovern. And I said, well, what do you think about, he called, he said, you mean the bimbos? I said, well, the young women who are coming forward about uh, Governor uh, Clinton. He said, it'll help him in the election. It'll help him in the election. And that's, you know, McGovern who, you know, lost hideously, uh, had learned a thing or two. So I think they're right. What do you guys think? Do you think it helped him? Do you think uh, women coming forward and say he did this, that, and horrible, he knocked me around, he grabbed my breast, One, Kristen Anderson, he shoved his hand right up the skirt into her vagina, and, you know, she's 23 years old, she couldn't, she didn't even know who he was, it was unbelievable, but that read well with voters. You know, I, I think it's horrifying, and I think when you look at the base of people who support him, and hindsight's always twenty twenty, but when you see that they don't support uh, vaccines, when you well, even how outraged they are about health issues and and community and where they see themselves as an individual living purely for themselves as opposed to their neighbors, you know, nothing really surprises me about that voter base and the kind of depths of, of depravity within that voter base. And, you know, that's why we don't even like to refer to the right wing as conservative anymore. There's nothing conservative about that party. They're a death cult at this point and death cults worship sick things that I think you, you allude to. You know, we got to start understanding the people who love who love him if we don't understand that we're going to lose again you understand that we have to begin understanding why these people think a lot of the uh people that voted for uh donald trump liked him because he was a businessman we got to understand that because i what do you think you think he's going to do another run mary trump came on the podcast I, last i loved every second of <laughs> And her analysis of groupthink, the ability of the right wing to inspire fear, to convert fear into anger and yeah, anger yeah. into action yeah, 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 is something yeah. that we're not doing on the pro-democracy side. And, you know, and, and you even look at it today, we're talking about this on the, the podcast before this interview, you know, people are already writing the obituary of the House of Representatives and basically saying the Democrats are going to lose the House. And it's like, be clear when you say that, that you're saying that a fascist group of anti-democratic wackos are going to take over and they're going to 
remove women's right to choose like it's in Texas and childbearing persons right to choose like there is in Texas. You know, they're going to try to kill your children the way Governor Death Santis is. We have to message it this way. And you're you're writing, you know, when you go back and look at it, I mean, you pulled no punches with your writing and people call it the gonzo style, but that's the truth. That's speaking, that's the, that's observing humanity. And you really had a great instinct and do have a great instinct for the subtleties of humanity. I do. <laughs> Man, mankind is so complicated. It is so complicated. We can see we're heading towards a theocracy in the country. We can see it. You guys are shouting. Does, shout, does shouting do any good? I think you have to be loud. You know, I, th I think what you have to do is the other side's shouting, right? And you have to, people say, are you preaching to the choir, right? You know, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but the choir of people who support democratic values is probably 67 to 70% of the population, yes, but, yes. but who are very empathetic. So our choir better sing. Because if our choir ain't singing, we're going to look like the Taliban, don't you think? Uh, dude, I think we're going to win the House in uh, 2022. I think we're going to win it. And I think we're going to win it by more than anybody thinks we're going to win it. I th that's, exact, that's, the, exactly. that's it. I think we're going to win it. Uh, it's this sort of downcast fear that we're going to lose it. Olympian runners, swimmers. Does Michael, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Phelps? Do you think when he's getting ready for a race and he's got his earphones up, do you think he's thinking that he's going to lose the race? No. no. <laughs> he's going to win the race. See, here's the thing. Democrats can't think we're going to lose. We, oh, we have to get in to the Olympian brain of Michael Phelps. We've got to put on our earphones and just remember that picture of him with a snarl. You know, that's how we have to look at uh, – <laughs> The uh, what did you call them? Uh, the, the, uh, the, the yeah, the death cult, the death cult. <laughs> that's how we have to view them. Yep, uh, Republicans have such a winner attitude that they still think they won the election. <laughs> <laughs> Score, <laughs> yeah. The, the Republicans <laughs> are that swimmer, the Republicans are the swimmer from you know the the country where the first place swimmer in that country would like get lapped by michael phelps 20 yeah, times yeah, yeah. and then they basically come out and go phelps didn't win that was fraud yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah uh, democrats need to take their earphones off you're right you think phelps has the earphones and it's like you fucking loser you're a loser you're gonna lose this race. that's not what phelps does he's, he's visualizing success and that's what the democrats are doing exactly. You, can, you know what, you're male cheerleaders. I love it. <laughs> outfit. I think outfits. Have you seen the picture of George Bush? Do you know that George Bush was a cheerleader at Andover? Yeah, I do remember that. I have seen those photos. You see him with the megaphone and the little A on his thing. You know, I think the Midas Touch guys, the fellows, the gentlemen, should have outfits. Totally. <laughs> Don't get our followers started. They're going to start demanding these outfits. We're going to have to wear them every episode now. No, the mighty. Let's mighty. Do you hear old Eugene? Oh, no. <laughs> have outfits with a big M. With a big M. Yes. 
This is the mighty. I, I like that you have a whole mighty thing behind you. <laughs> oh, the Midas <laughs> mighty is strong. I would argue it's one of the biggest pro-democracy movements out there. And that's what we want to cultivate. Like Ben said, we want this pro-democracy movement to be singing the loudest. While Republicans are constantly preaching to their choir and firing them up over, frankly, bullshit, we want to deliver truth and education and the information that people need to get out there and, and actually go and vote and make change and make phone calls and do text messages and knock on doors. You know, that's that's what we need. We need an active and enthusiastic and positive and inspired base. And that's really our goal, which I think you hit the nail on the head with. How is your text campaign? Did you are you doing anything? With, yeah, you are doing something with the California boat, right? Yeah, we had volunteers over the weekend sending texts to voters uh, all around California. We basically took our entire list of everyone who's ever donated to Midas Touch, signed up for our email list, et cetera, everybody in the California area, and we reached out to all of them via text, got an incredible response. Like uh, the companies we worked with to who facilitated the text messaging service said they had never seen that sort of engagement back <laughs> from people other than our followers because we're keeping people engaged, you know? Everyone listening to this podcast right now is somebody who is somebody who is, you know, inspired. And we yeah. just need to keep that energy going and keep fueling that, that democracy fire, so to speak. So tell me about the Feinstein elder thing. Tell me about that. I heard that. Did I hear that on one of your podcasts? Yeah, well, I well, you know, if, if something were to happen, if worst case scenario, either um, Feinstein resigned or something happened to her by which she couldn't be in office anymore. The governor of California is the person who appoints the next senator. And so we can't leave that in the hands of a guy like Larry Elder, who will put in the worst possible person for that seat and immediately shift the balance of power without even a vote being cast in the United States Senate. He has the power to unilaterally shift the entire course of the nation by just becoming governor. So this isn't about California. A lot of people might be saying, why do you keep pushing California? Like I live in this other state. How does it affect me? It affects everybody. It affects all of us as a country. And we all need to be reaching out to everybody we know in California to urge them, you know, how important this is. It's, it's I so did important. not know that until I heard this on, did I hear this on your podcast or did I see it on Twitter? Yeah, we talk, we talk about it, but you know, it's probably also on Twitter, probably a combination of, of all of it. <laughs> so, uh, now that terrified me. That right there just terrified me. Mm -hmm. I just, and it's just an insurrection, an illegal insurrection to take over California. I mean, to me, it's amazing. That people yes, as Stacey Abrams has said about these voter suppression laws that are happening around the country and recall attempts like this, is they basically, Republicans failed at the insurrection on January 6th. And now they are taking their insurrection via any sort of legal means they can through the actual, you know, mechanisms of the government. And that's what we're seeing be played out right now across the country. That's what's happening. They they failed on Jan 6 and now they're uh, trying it, you know, through through changing laws. But here's the thing that I can't remember. Was it uh, was it you, Brad, or you ben, who said probably me if it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> 60% of the country or 58% of the country believes that women should have the right to choose, right? Uh, a majority of the country is not a, an authoritarian uh, fan, a majority, right? A majority right. of the country likes democracy. How can we lose these elections if we get the vote out? How is that? We have the majority. The problems that we run into with the majority are being 
uh, not being energized and not voting and not showing up. And then one of the other problems is, and I'm sure you've seen this is, you know, Democrats like to point fingers at Democrats and kind of cannibalize uh, each other. Oh, my God. Where's my dog? I need to have him just come in and just start to eat the screen. That just drives me <laughs> well, Mary Trump had the bird come in and, and go on her head. So if you had a dog come in and eat your laptop, that will be a viral. That will be a viral moment for the ages. It drives you nuts, though, right? It, well, it, well, first of all, I'm jealous that Mary Trump's bird came in while she was doing it. And then so I said, I'm going to get a bear. <laughs> this is surrounded with bears, of course, not a bear showing up today. Uh, but here's here's the thing. Freud has a quote about that. He calls that the narcissism of small differences. We find these teeny tiny little differences that attack one another, you know, it makes no sense. It just, why would we do that? We have to stick together. The Republicans always stick right together. The Republicans are like insurrection. I'm on board. <laughs> oh, let's take away voting rights from everybody. Sure, let's do it. Oh, let's kill ourselves with horse medicine. I'm there, uh, right on. <laughs> That's how they operate. Uh, is, I hear it's not very good for, um, I hear it's pretty effective at sterilizing. <laughs> I hear there, that. There seem to be some studies about this out there, uh, which we'll have to explore a little more. But uh, yes, please. Yes. Eugene, <laughs> e e let's talk about your uh, your case right now at, at DOJ, if we can, for a moment. Um, we'd love to just delve in there and see what the latest is. I remember back while Trump was president, the New York State Supreme Court Judge Verna Saunders ruled that you could proceed with your defamation suit against Trump while he was still president. Now he is no longer president. But I'm wondering, is discovery continuing? Um, I know you had included a notice to Trump that he should provide you with a DNA sample. So what can you tell us here? What's the latest with that? And will we see any movement on that? Well, here's what, here's what happened with the case. The case is at the DOJ right now because of three women, okay? Here are the three women. Uh, judge Ling was our first judge in New York. When we brought the lawsuit, uh, we couldn't even serve papers on Donald Trump because the Secret Service at the White House was refusing to take our set. So then they refused it at Trump Tower. They refused it, all, I mean, right there, it was a great ploy by Trump. Anyway, so I happen to have the best lawyer in America. Robbie Kaplan, who this week or next week is fighting the Nazis in Charlottesville. That's Robbie Kaplan. Robbie Kaplan is the one who came up with the KKK defense. She's the one who thought of that. And now it's being used uh, across the board. It's being used by Benny Tapps and it's being used by Eric Sebal, who's been in your, on your podcast. Um, she's the one who thought, she's the one who ushered in gay rights for all Americans by winning the Windsor case. Um, and Joshua Matz, who has an IQ of 485. Those two uh, are my attorneys. So they, of course, quickly uh, uh, figured out a way to get uh, the uh, lawsuit to Trump. Then Doris Ling, that's the first woman who made sure that this is going down. She set the dates for discovery, okay? She's the one who ordered the DNA. That's Doris Ling. She's in the New York Supreme Court. Then the courts got shuffled in New York and we were given a second judge, Judge Saunders. By this time, Trump had come, had, had filed suit that we were not allowed to sue a sitting president. We made such a brilliant argument 
against all, uh, all the reasons why we could sue a sitting president, the judge Sanders agreed with us and the case proceeded. We again began discovery and I answered all the questions from his attorney. Dudes, have you ever seen the questions they ask a woman in the case of assault? You don't want to see these questions. You, you, would, you would start throwing up in this podcast and you would not be done until they hook you up to fluids so you could go on top. That's how much you would vomit. These questions are sickening. They want to know every drug I've ever taken. They want to know every man I've ever met. They want to know every, well, that's an, that was an exaggeration. But Just looking for any reason to put the blame on you. Any, it was astounding. Well, you know what? We answered all of them and we had our questions. So we were proceeding with this discovery and right at the very, almost the very moment, uh, Trump was due to deliver his DNA sample, which is, uh, would be matched against the unidentified male uh, DNA found on my dress. Within hours, I think, the case was suddenly snatched out of the Supreme, out of the New York courts and given to the DOJ under Bill Barr. Well, we were shocked, but we delivered such a brilliant argument against uh, the fact that Donald Trump should be represented by the DOJ, that was their case. What he said about me, when he said I was too ugly to assault, et cetera, et cetera, was his duty as a president. He was acting as a president. We made an argument in federal court that that was not the case, that Donald Trump, this happened in 1996, and the argument was so, our argument was so blistering and so brilliant that the federal judge, Lewis Kaplan, wrote an opinion that I thought would stand for the ages, and then I thought this is going to be great. Uh, however, right before the election, the DOJ filed uh, a suit in, in the Second Circuit Court of Appeals and appealed Judge Kaplan's uh, decision. Well, we, that didn't bother us because, of course, they can appeal all they want because we're going to have a new president and a new head of the the DOJ right. next month. So la la la. Biden uh, appoints Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland, as we know, is an outstanding uh, man. Uh, he is, uh, you know, very fair. And what uh, sh was shocking is he decided, yeah, yeah, this is a good case. DOJ has got to represent Donald Trump. He was acting. As president, when he said I was Eugene Carroll, that poor old, that crone, that withered hag, it was too ugly to assault. Uh, they took the case. Their, their uh, brief was written by four dudes. I, I rest my case. Four <laughs> dudes. Not a woman in sight. Okay. Well, we were surprised. And um, we meet them uh, in Second Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, uh, coming up, uh, this is September, uh, coming up later this fall. And we will be giving oral arguments. I've already planned my outfit. And Robbie Kaplan and Joshua Matz, I just want everyone to be prepared to have your brains explode. It's going to be so wonderful. Get ready because it's going to be a slam dunk. We're going to have brilliant oral arguments. I've got a great outfit. It's going to be <laughs> uh, just get ready. 
and uh, that's the case. Why do you think Merrick Garland uh, took the case? I think he, you know, he's a moral, uh, upright, moral man. Uh, he saw some merit in it. I think he's absolutely wrong. Um, I think he's protecting the DOJ. Well, I think he hit on it there, which is like, if you're an institutionalist and yeah. want to preserve institutions at all cost, but those institutions have structural racism, misogyny just built into them over the course of hundreds of years, then when you're preserving these institutions, you're preserving everything that goes along with them, whether you're doing it for the noblest of purposes or not. Right, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's why I'm here for. I get, I get one, in the context one every few weeks. How, in, in the context, <laughs> Brett, how E. Jean Carroll talked about it, though, it's why we need women judges. That's yeah. why we need diversity. And, you know, we need people who understand these experiences. That's why diversity is as, so important. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and E.G., and I really appreciate you breaking it down like that because there's a lot to what you've been through that I know, but in the context of all of the judges that looked at the law and basically said, enough is enough. Turn over your DNA. We're, you know, and then you have four dudes at the DOJ, as Brett talks about institutionalists, preserving racism, misogynistic institutions. Well, I, I, it was an incredible breakdown. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I'm worried about the courts in this country. This is another thing that's at stake. It should all be. As you keep saying, as you say in your text, as you say in your podcast, as you say in your tweet, uh, 2022, you know, we just have to go vote. We got to save the courts. The courts are like, ah, 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 right now. They're saving us. Remember, the courts saved the election for us. Yep. The courts, the judges, the justice system works. We just, we need to give it a little oomph. Hey, Eugene, I, I know earlier in the interview, you had mentioned, um, you know, that you're quote unquote from the silent generation where women didn't speak up as frequently. I'm just curious, sort of what, what changed your mind ultimately to speak up and, and to say something? Well, I started getting letters that ask Eugene. Uh, after he was president. And I've always received letters from women who have been, uh, you know, assaulted by their bosses and assaulted on dates and manhandled and situated by mere strangers. And I've all, you know, I never said, uh, you know, I felt like a big fake. Never came forward with what happened to me. Um, and so finally, I, it just, it became almost too much. Um, and the election was over. I knew I couldn't do any harm to the election by coming forward. And I just, you know, I just had it up to here mm -hmm. with his lies and, you know, the oh, oh God. It was stomach turning. I said, what the hell? What have I got to lose? Well, yeah, I lost my job. But anyway, <laughs> so I just did it. You know what? It was almost not a decision. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that you just live with, live with. And, you know, I was an old woman by the time I came forward. So I really, old women, watch out for old women, guys. Old women are the best. <laughs> They've got nothing to lose. I hadn't, you know, I didn't give two flying figs at that point. You know, so I came forward. The amazing thing is that then I decided to do the lawsuit. That was the shocking thing to me because that had never 
uh, that had never occurred to me. And then also we get, we get tons of people who come to us um, and say, hey, we love what you guys are doing at Midas Touch. We love the pro-democracy movement, the fight that you guys are fighting. And Eugene, you fight, you know, such similar battles day in and day out and, and your fight and you're just so courageous. You know, I know Not we sort really. of, Not <laughs> yes, really. yes, I know. And I know, and I know we sort of touched on this earlier in the interview, but asked a little bit more pointedly, you know, what would be your advice to men and women who, who want to join the fight and who want to become advocates, who, who want to stop just the insanity that's been happening in this country? What would you tell them? Well, you know, there's a movement now. I don't, don't know who started it. <laughs> Not to have sex with anybody who's for Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, just cut them off. You know, wives, if your husband's going to, you know, be a Trumper, uh, no more sex until they, you know, decide. Uh, so there's that movement, uh, which I strongly support. Voting Rights Alliance. Let me see what the votingrightsalliance.org. This is a volunteer across the country. And they connect you with all the voting rights thing because, uh, you know, and taking away our voting rights, that's, of course, their plan, right? If you just stop enough people from voting, if they just, if you just keep them away from the pool, you know, from the polls. Uh, so the voting, that, that is a good place to go to volunteer. If you volunteer, let's say one afternoon a week, there, there you're doing something. There, you're, you're doing so. There you go. That's what we try to tell people. It's really, you don't have to think of it like you don't have to look at the three of us, for example, and say, oh my gosh, I need to start this big giant organization. It's the only way that I could have an impact. No, you could do something a couple hours a day, a couple hours a week. You know, you have a skill, you use that skill, you post on social media, you just do whatever little thing that you can because all this, all this sort of stuff adds up, you know, at the end of the day. Exactly. By the way, it makes your life way more interesting. You know what? Going out and meeting people, that's interesting. You know, that's an interest. Why not add a tiny bit of interest here and put on a cute outfit, for God's sake. <laughs> put on a slur with a big M on. <laughs> oh, come on. It, really. It, it is a, it's a way to meet people, you know, and you, uh, you know, you form friendships and, you know, you, you can meet cute people to date them. There's no reason to sit at home in your house uh, when there's a, ongoing catastrophe rolling across the country. Um, yeah, rule, minority majority rule, as Mary calls it. Uh, it's gonna be no fun. Yeah, if you Got don't it. show up, you know who you're giving your voice to? You're giving your voice to all those crazy people who go viral for fighting with uh, people at the airport, for fighting at school boards. That's who you give voice oh to if, if you're not standing up. Oh my God, that's proud boys. How about them coming to the hospitals, Cowboys? I mean, it's especially disgusting. Just given that even just logistically, you need to get ambulances in there. You need to, yeah. you know, there are health workers in there. There are patients yeah. trying to rest. And then you have those people outside attacking the very healthcare workers who will be working to save those people's lives once they contract COVID and end up on a ventilator. The whole thing is just twisted. And that's why we need to stand up and, and you know, just show our power, show that, you know, we are out there in greater numbers than them and okay. that we need to be the difference makers. You know, where, as Obama said, we're the ones we're looking for here. You know, we, we're the ones who are going to save ourselves. So thank you for giving the Midas Mighty the oomph they needed today, E. Jean Carroll. Yeah, Show you my little kitty. <laughs> Let's check out the cat. There she is. We got cats. We got dogs. We got it all. We got birds. We got it all on the Midas Touch podcast. What's the cat's name? 
Vagina tea fireball. All right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, 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 I did not think that that question would be the most controversial of the E. Jean Carroll questions, but I'll just say, I'll just say nice to see the cat. Thank you, E. Jean Carroll. We really appreciate you joining the Midas Touch podcast. Um, we hope you'll come back again. And, and thank you so much for sharing everything. We appreciate it's it. It's been an absolute gas talking to you or the three gentlemen. You're the uh, best. The Midas, you. Oh, wait a minute. She's hanging on me. Hang oh. on. <laughs> Truth Thank is you. golden, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Truth is golden. And we That's will be right. right back with more Truth after these messages. Adios. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Such a great interview with E. Jean Carroll. And she's incredible. And, and learned a lot more from her, you know, just about uh, the case, um, but also just getting to know her was really incredible. She's amazing. Well, you know, she's somebody who grew up in a different uh, generation. And so I think it was important and I think helpful to hear her perspectives on kind of why she didn't speak out before yeah. or why she felt it was necessary to speak out now, how she views, you know, situations, how she views kind of her experience dealing with the patriarchal society and toxic, toxic masculinity and all these sorts of issues that she has come face to face with. You know, it's, that's why it's important. We get all these diverse points of view in this show. And it's why I like, um, I like the format of the podcast where we can really introduce the person and not just the headline yep. to mm -hmm. our audience, which I think is what makes this podcast a bit different from other news that's out there. But speaking about other news that's out there, I want to talk briefly about a positive development of the Department of Justice fighting back, um, taking legal action and preparing this robust case uh, against Texas for this patently unconstitutional handmaid's tale bounty law against women, against childbearing persons, against humanity. Yes, yeah, so Merrick Garland's DOJ, they are fighting back. Earlier today, they filed a suit in federal court in Austin, Texas, to declare the abortion ban unconstitutional. Basically, what the DOJ was saying is that to deputize private citizens to become bounty hunters is clearly unconstitutional. They called it an unprecedented scheme, and they're going to fight for abortion rights, and this is a major, major step and development. Happy to see them stepping up. The act is clearly unconstitutional under long-standing Supreme Court precedent. Those precedents hold, in the words of Planned Parenthood versus Casey, that, quote, Regardless of whether exceptions are made for particular circumstances, a state may not prohibit any woman from making the ultimate decision to terminate her pregnancy before viability. I know you guys will do a deeper dive on Legal AF, and I am excited to uh, hear you really break this down in detail. 
We will keep everybody updated about the developments of those lawsuits. Definitely more updates on Legal AF. Make sure you check out the Legal AF podcast, one of the, if not the top legal podcast that's on right now. I'm not going to lie. It's my favorite show, Ben. Like, <laughs> like I, I like Legal AF more than any other podcast. I, I don't know. To. I, I like not this podcast. Because, this is my favorite podcast. Well, I'm not this including is... this podcast. I'm, okay. I'm just saying out of all the podcasts I do listen to, which is a lot, I think Legal AF is the perfect balance of, I mean, you guys are funny and you guys tell stuff in a way that I can understand. It makes me almost feel like I went to law school, even though I very much did not go to law school. <laughs> and I want to leave everybody with this thought. After hearing the news, after hearing from E. Jean Carroll, I want to go back to how we started this podcast. You're going to be hearing a lot of news by traditional media, the legacy media that treats these races like horse races and doesn't call a spade a spade, in this case, a fascist, a fascist. We need to be on the side of pro-democracy. We need to fight together. And as Brett was saying before, it doesn't require that you have to start a movement like Midas Touch. You're listening to this now. You're watching this right now. You're already part of the movement. And your contribution to this movement in many ways is just as important as ours. Without you, there is no Midas Touch. And where you could be the most helpful is doing the little things. Anywhere you can, whether it's reaching out to one person, that's better than no people. Whether it's touching five people, 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, we hope the lesson that Midas Touch teaches is that of three brothers with no political experience who are just so angry at the state of this country and want to support democracy can do it, we promise you, you can do it too. We appreciate your support as always. We appreciate each and every one of you for listening to the podcast, and we thank our guest, E. Jean Carroll, for coming on this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. We'll see you as always on the next podcast, but until next time, Jordy, take it away. Shout out to the Midas Midas!